Hello, and welcome to the MCAP Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. More than two dozen Maryland breweries return to the Silver Spring Civic Center for an evening of delicious winter beer, light fare, and live music. Passes to this event include samples of winter ales and lagers produced by breweries throughout Maryland. Cast your ballot for your favorite Cupid's Curse release and find out if Frederick's Old Mother Brewing will take home the coveted Cupid Trophy once again. This is one of my favorite events held by the Brewers Association of Maryland every year. I'll be there and I hope to see all of you there. Hello, I'm your host Chris Sands. Today we are, well I was going to say we're in the tap room of Idiom Brewing Company, but we're kind of tap room adjacent in uh in our barrel storage area barrel storage and slash canning storage storage, which are a lot of things we're here to talk about because not only is all those things we listed new from the last time we talked we're also in a brand new area of the building since the last time we talked yep that's correct um so i'm with mike clement the founder owner head brewer um, master of all keg cleaner <laughs> toilet washer i've got people for that <laughs> um thanks for having me out uh, thanks for coming out so you've been open a little over a year yep uh mm-hmm. a year and uh almost two months now you had your first uh anniversary party oh it was the you open on black friday so that's an easy although yeah we had it on the saturday after though yeah so we uh we did our first anniversary party, uh, the Saturday, Small Business Saturday. Um, it was a good time. I got to hang out for a while. There were some good bands playing. Yeah, we had three different bands. Uh, we had uh, Long Way Home, Demood, and uh, Flatfoot Sam. Although I, would, I was disappointed in Say Cheese. Uh, they, they didn't have the uh, crab... Crabby Patty or Crab Melt or whatever they call it. Yeah, they also had some uh, some other odd uh, you know specials um, that day. I mean, it was but good. It was good. But it, They're I always like the crab one yeah. the best. Um, so how'd the first year go? Um, well, we made it past the first year, which is like half the battle, I guess. Um, I think one of the things I hear a lot is we made it a year. Uh, I get to make beer for at least another year. Yeah. We made it a year. We can brew more beer. Um, so uh, within that first year, um, uh, we had a lot of success. Uh, we uh, we grew three hundred percent capacity increase on our uh, brew house side, um, and uh, we leased up uh, some additional space, which we're sitting in now, um, an additional uh, three thousand square feet um, to extend the tap room. Um, as well as uh, add some storage area for canning, um, as well as some barrel aging and things of that nature. So um, what does that capacity difference mean? Um, we added an additional 80 seats inside and approximately, because we don't have our permit for outside um, the outside seating yet, but it'll be an approximate uh, addition of uh, 65 seats outside as well. Okay. Um, I actually meant the barrel capacity. Oh, barrel like, capacity. What, yeah. Well, I, so I Sorry, I, I thought you I meant knew. the tap room. No. Um, but no, but that, that you answered a good question. Yeah. So, our, so <laughs> I just uh, didn't ask let me you. start. Let me start it with yeah. the uh, <laughs> tap room stuff. So um, our capacity was 95, and we had added an additional 80 seats inside. So now we're 175. Um, outside, we had already uh, around 56 seats, and we'll go from 56 seats 
to about 120 seats um, outside. Um, from a, that's capacity. a lot of people. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of people. Um, and in fact, I think that might be the largest outdoor seating area in Frederick uh, at this point in time. What yes. about Flying Dog? Although, no, Flying Dog only has fenced off the patio, so maybe less. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but at least in the city limits, I think we might have the largest outdoor seating area at this point in time. Um, the um, From a brew house uh, perspective, we actually uh, <coughs> increased our capacity 300%. So we went from tw- uh, 28-barrel... Um, capacity to what's that 56 plus 28 so uh 84 um barrel capacity i don't know that sounds about right i talk so i don't have to do math um it sounds about right and um we're actually um making a purchase this week um to increase our capacity another 60 percent on top of that um so we're adding a couple more uh 15 barrel fermenters uh, as well as a couple more seven barrel fermenters yeah, because you, you originally, when you opened, you were mainly just seven, right? Yeah, we had se- four sevens. So, so yep. you swapped out some sevens and replaced them with 15? Yep, we, uh, we we sold the original sevens because they were short squatties, and uh, we needed tall skinnies. Um, so we uh, sold the original sevens to uh, um, a brewery um, startup out of Baltimore County, and then we sold uh, two of them to True Respite in, uh, in Rockville. And our then good we, friends. Yeah, our good friends. They yeah, make we, a really good summer goza. Yeah, we did a uh, we did a collab with them as well as part of that whole transaction, and uh, we uh, we did pretty well with that collab. So we uh, from that collab we learned a lot. So we started branching out and doing more collabs. Are they mainly doing that with uh, like for split batches and so? Because they seem to like to do that. Uh, like, I think they originally intended to do that, but I think that. Uh, you know, Although they have a small pilot system, they do too, have a small they? pilot. I think they have a three that. barrel um, yeah. pilot. Um, but I think they originally intended to do split batches, but depending on the style of beer, it wasn't feasible um, because of just the amount of time it was in Whirlpool and things of that nature, especially like New England's and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what they're using them for these days, but True Respite has our original two or two of our original seven barrels. and uh, So you can go visit them if you I can go to miss them. Vi- uh, visit and say hi and, you know, give them treats and that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um but uh, we bought, like I said, uh, four tall skinny sevens to replace those, and then we bought three 15-barrel unitanks um, to add to our collection, um, which was the major increase in capacity. And then you say you're doing four more total? Yeah, four two. more total, two seven barrels and uh, two 15s. That may change. We may add just 15s, but we're leaning towards two more 15s and two more sevens. What what um, advantage does the two sevens add? You just have um, more variety of different styles? Yeah, the sevens are, since we have four now and we would add two more, we'd have six. So we would be able to run through all of our in-house beer through the sevens. Um, okay. And then the 15s would be dedicated to canning. Okay. So only double batch the can release, can stuff. release yep. stuff. Okay. Yep. So that would put us at five 15s and six sevens. And then the expanding into this area, so if you're on the creek facing it, it's to the left. Right, it's the uh, into. it's the gamb- uh, gabled roof uh, building to the left of what our original tap room was. So you're able to fit all this new stuff in because you're you're yeah most of our stuff storage. where we're sitting now. Right, most of our <laughs> most of the storage is moved. Although the storage that's in this area is actually moving upstairs because we just leased space upstairs as well. Um, for private events and office. Um, and the area that we're sitting in now will actually be um, 
some storage, some barrel aging, and then some beer garden esque area. Okay. Um, so, and then we have the, with the private event space upstairs, we have uh, up to 49 person capacity, um, and then a, a dedicated office, which we haven't had before. So, um, that'll be nice. Do you have much in barrels now? Uh, we have three or four different beers in barrels. Um, we have a alt beer aging in McClintock rye barrels. Uh, it's been in there for about two months. Um, we have a um, maple praline um, nut brown ale in McClintock bourbon um, barrels. And then we have a uh, toasted almond porter inside of um, miscellaneous distillery rum barrels. You know what I've never learned having lived this long? What is a praline? <laughs> it's a nut uh, or some kind of candied um, okay. version of something. So like pralines, like maple, oh. so candy oh, maple. Oh, so it could be any yeah. any kind of thing. At least I, that's what I believe. It's more of like a process than yeah. a thing. Yeah. I okay. think uh, like uh, those, you know, you see them all the time at like fairgrounds or, you know, going to like Hershey Park or whatever. They always have the nuts that are kind of already yeah. candy coated those i believe that's what praline is it's basically oh, okay candy huh learn something new every day but i could ask the google that's nah, close I, i'd rather just believe that because it sounds like a good answer it does sound like a good answer um what did you list all of them because i started to yeah we we that was all the that's all the current after. ones we uh we do have some beers that are slated for barrels um we're actually getting some sagamore um sagamore barrels um, we are looking at getting some wild, or not wild turkey, sorry, um, Buffalo Trace uh, barrels as well. So we have some things that we're going to be doing there. And then we are also adding some, um, going to start playing with some sours as well and some red and white uh, wine barrels um, and uh, see how that goes. Nice. Um, let's take a real quick sponsor break. Um, I wanted to. You had mentioned doing a bunch of collaborations, um, so I feel like the talking about the white wine and white the red wine barrel um, things. Nice segue. We could talk about one of them that you did with. They may have learned some things about barrel aging from. Uh, so we'll talk about that once we get back. Sounds good. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, on spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? So of all the um, collabs you did, uh, you've done several recently. Um, one of them you did like kind of like a double collab with Sapwood Cellars. Yeah, actually, um, most of the collabs we've done so far have been double collabs. Um, the True Respite collab was a collab on there and what what is called a home and away. So it's a... Um, basically where you brew one at one location and brew the other at yeah. the other location. Um, that was done with True Respite. Um, we brewed the same um, base recipe. Um, we just fermented at different profiles using the same yeast, though. We fermented at different temperature ranges. And uh, we chose a slightly different hop profile. Um, so we, that's what we did with uh, 
with True Respite. Um, I think what you were getting to though is we actually did the same thing with Sapwood Sellers recently. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the True Respite um, collab was our first canning run as well, so it was learn a lot of learning on that. Um, we hadn't used our own canning line yet, um, so we were still working with Ironheart for that. Um, and then after that, we had a couple more um, iterations with Ironheart before we switched over to our own altogether. Um, but the Sapwood um, collab we did was a um, a New England IPA on their end, um, a middle of the road, um, like 6.5% ABV uh, New England IPA um, using um, London Ale based, uh, London Ale 3 uh, variant of yeast. Um, and on their end, they wanted to focus on El Dorado hops and the supporting hops were Mosaic and Idaho 7 which we know you love. Yeah, it's garbage hop. Um, <laughs> which was also funny because the um, True Respite collab, on their on our end, we chose to use Galaxy and Idaho 7. So um, this one kind of you know, just happened to fall in our lap using Idaho 7 again. Um, anyway, with the uh, Sapwood sellers um, away when they came to brew with us, um, we did the same recipe scaled up as a double New England. Um, and... Uh, we used uh, a new hop called Lotus as our, you know, primary um, hop in the uh, in the mix, and uh, Mosaic as well as Idaho Seven again. Um, I learned a lot working with them. Um, I think their processes um, are definitely catered to their system and their equipment. But since we have similar equipment, um, it's uh, you know see, nice to see the way they do business. But there were also some things what that we were doing when they came to brew with us that were aha moments for them as well with, you know, process things that they could be doing to save time or, you know, um, you know, some water profile type things as well. Um, so it was a, you know, that's, that's the benefit of doing these types of things. You learn a lot working with these people. I mean, it's, you know, one of the biggest things that I take away from every day, um, in the brewery, whether it's here or, or visiting other breweries is always learning something. Yeah, so I kind of lose. I was going to ask you what, because um, you you do do a lot of different collaborations. Mm-hmm. Is that the main reason you like to the, um, for the the learning aspects, getting experience, like so each brewery can feed off of each other's experience and ideas, like kind of like a collaborative. It's not only educational that educational exchange, or it's not only that. I think it's also good um, from a perspective of introducing yourself to. Um, other markets um, you know we're all in Maryland uh, the collabs we've been doing are all in Maryland of course but um, you know the the benefit in our opinion as well as the educational side and you know getting to exp- uh, spread our wings and um, grow within the community as well um, is um, the fact that we're also leveraging the other breweries fan base and their social to spread the word about what we're doing and how we're doing it and, you know, the growth that we're seeing, um, you know, and, and try to, you know, branch out into those other markets. Yeah. Cause it, in the, there's definitely, there are the hyper beer fans throughout Maryland that are aware of everyone and go and visit a bunch of breweries, but it seems like a lot of the breweries have their local clickish almost kind of, Oh, absolutely. Fan, so that I guess that's a good that you it helps you expose your brand to 
their regulars that maybe aren't super craft beer fans like craft beer but don't go online just searching for right. other breweries yeah i think uh i think that is a major benefit to us um you know we're we're moving more and more towards um you know distribution of cans um we started off pretty slow with that we wanted to see where the market was taking us and um you know so far every time we've done a release we've been selling out pretty quickly we do um some distro out to local stores like district east um downtown crown and you know whitey's out in baltimore but we also do a fair share of our cans in-house so you know it's not necessarily line life what like it used to be back in the day but it's uh you know we're within a couple week period we're going through you know 50 to 100 cases of beer do you think line life is dying i'm yeah i I think that's i think that's a you know a a thing that is still um done for breweries that kind of help create that um but i don't think there's many that are going to you know if they're if they think they're going to open under that model it's it's probably going to be a hard sell um do you think that's just from customer like changes in the consumer or just that there are so many breweries that are canning and coming out with constant beer releases i think it's kind of a i think there's multiple aspects to that right so um you know a few years ago there were you know in some people's opinion there were only um you know a few maryland breweries that were of the caliber to um you know be canning in a way that uh, or selling beer even um in a way that would drive up that kind of atmosphere um, I think it's really hard a hard sell because almost all of the breweries I know in Maryland are making pretty solid beer. Um, you know, yeah, there aren't many left that are making a subpar product. Right. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the where we are in the arena yeah. now. The baseline is you have to make good beer. Yeah, you can't get by with uh, like you could three, four, five years ago, um, opening up a brewery, making subpar product, and learning as you go. Um, I mean, there's still some aspect of that for a lot of people where you're learning as you go because, I mean, you're learning every day. But at the same time, you got to be hitting, you know, the the bar all the time. Um, otherwise, you'll quickly get, you know, a, a name of, of not making quality product, and that won't be a good thing for your brand long term. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think if you – you could probably have okay, not bad beer – if you're providing an amazing experience, but I don't even know how much longer that's going to last. No, I, d- I definitely think there there is an experience factor involved way more than there used to be. Um, you know, breweries, it's not just about good beer anymore. It's not just about, you know, uh, quality of service anymore. It's not just about, um, you know, a having a tap room. It's also like having things for people to be involved with, making it more of a home for people. Um, so it, it's definitely beer related, but it's also atmosphere related and service related. And, uh, I think people are just looking for a place to call home really. Yeah. Yeah. To be the, like the, with their people and, uh, cause there, there's, although even in Frederick, there's, I feel like each brewery has maybe their core fans, but everyone seems to kind of hop around to all the 
Yeah, I mean, there's all the different ones around here. There's definitely breweries that have like a the, their big core. Like yeah. Old Mother has a super huge core because you know they were one of the only breweries in Frederick forever. Um, well, I wouldn't say forever, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're only four years <laughs> old. <laughs> um, but they have a super um, huge core following, and part of that is um, what Keith and Nick did to continue to make their brand. Um, yeah. You know, they left their jobs. They you know, were running the brewery and they were brewing almost every day. Um, but they had to be there because, you know, that they had to save money where they could by running their tap room as well. And they built that experience with people. Yeah, not just fans of the brewery, but fans of them themselves. Right, exactly. All right, we're going to take an, um, another quick sponsor break, and then we'll talk about – actually, I, w- I want to ask you about a hop. I don't know if it's new or not. Uh, if you've used it at all, but it was the first time I had a beer featuring it. So we'll talk about that when we get back. The Uncapped Podcast is brought to you by District East. A lot of Friday and Saturday afternoons, you'll find me at District East for their weekly beer tastings. District East is part of the local beer community, and they get limited releases and exclusive beers that are hard to find anyplace else. This is why I chose District East for the release of my collaboration beers. One of my favorite things to do at District East is building a custom six-pack. With over 900 beers on their shelves and new beers every week, District East is a great place to find beers I love and to discover new and hard-to-find ones. They also have eight beers on tap for crowler and growler fills, and they have kegs to go. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. So are Zappa hops new? Um, Zappa hops are, I think, a couple years old now. Okay. Uh-oh. I think I just maybe never took like, notice of it. Well, I think I think last year was the first year that they publicly released it, and okay. it was a small, very small acreage of so Zappa So it is hops. quite possible I never had a beer using it, at least as the focal. Yeah, well, I mean, you probably did, actually. We, uh, we did uh, a beer with it as the uh, – it was split half and half um, uh, with Galaxy, but it was called Cosmic Debris. Yeah, I had I like that. Yeah, so oh, I don't remember now. I do remember there being Zappa. In yeah, it. there was Zappa in that. Um, uh, Rockwell has a beer now that's all Zappa. It's so good. Yeah, Zappa. I mean, Zappa is crazy hop. Zappa is a very polarizing hop. Uh, you either either really love it or yeah. really hate it. Um, and uh, I, I, in talking to Scott um, a couple of days ago, Scott is not a fan yeah, of the hop. He doesn't like it. Um, He's wrong because it's absolutely. <laughs> I delicious. love the hop because it has yeah. this great candy character, but it also has. The, the off-turning piece to people is that it has this weird earthy spice type of um, character to it as well, um, which I'm okay with, um, but some people, it is not their thing. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was delicious. But. And I think uh, Fourscore, um, Ben Little did one with it uh, recently as well. Um, and I, I assume that more and more of them will come out because um, Dylan and the team at Hop Havoc had a bunch of it. Zappa. Okay. Um, they had they ran a special on it for a while. We bought 88 pounds of it, so we are sitting on 40 or 44 pounds of it, which we're going to be using in another beer here in the future. Um, so, um, you know, it's it's a very crazy hop. It's definitely something that you would want to use in a more subdued manner than most. You know, single hop type of profiles. Yeah. 
I um, went all in on theirs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like I said, it's Scott talked to me about it. He's like, uh, I'm not a big fan. But the beer seems to be like going well with the customers. So, yeah. you know. I loved it. It was good. Yeah, I mean, it, I like it. better Zappa than Idaho 7 garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, uh, the hop. I think it's, we call it, we've been calling it around our brewery the chameleon hop because it, it changes its uh, its flavor every yeah. time you take a sip of it. it. Well, it t- I mean, you it would never think that it was a single hop beer, right? Like with all the flavors that it brings on its own, right? Yeah, we 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 thought there was just so much going on with the hop; it changed flavor every time we cracked a can of it or we took it off a draft, and we we just thought it was so so much of a drastic change each time. Right, so the um, I mean, you've alluded a little bit several times already, but. Another recent development over the last year was that you started canning. Yeah, we bought um, our own first, canner um, like six months in. Yeah, yeah. First, first using um, Ironheart and then purchasing your own. Mm-hmm. Did um, using Ironheart at first help with like learning the production, like packaging side a little, little help a little bit more, or was it just really you wanted to start doing can releases? I mean, there was there was good aspects of it. Um, working with Ironheart, a couple of them were. Um, you know, just the immersion factor, um, you know, seeing what it was all about, learning about dissolved oxygen, learning about um, what it meant to packaging, what, you know, CO2 volumes we're really looking for in the, you know, how much CO2 there is in the in the beer, um, you know, when we're going from fermenters to uh, the uh, cans, um, time and temperature, you know, where it's at as far as like when you're crossing the, the hose into the can. I mean, so it's there was a lot of aspects of it that sitting with Ironheart were uh, was a good thing, um, but there were also a lot of aspects of it where it was just a blur. Um, you know, they came in, they did all the work. Um, we just helped in little areas, like you know, if a can dropped, we'd pick it up. You know, if a can um, didn't get labeled correctly, we would you know hand label it. Um, you know, modifying um, the head pressure on the tank a little bit. Or you know, you know, trying to cool a beer um, down a little bit more while it was transferring, you know, little things like that we would get involved with, and those are the things that were actually like the most helpful. Um, but you know, we we bought a canning line um, from a company called Micro Canner um, out of uh, Michigan. Um, you know, it's a three head uh, filler, does twenty four cans a minute, so a case a minute. Um, they came out. We got a smoking hot deal on it, first of all, um, because we approached them before we went to CBC and we got a quote from them. And then we came back from CBC after we got, you know, a bunch of other quotes from other vendors and they, you know, beat everybody hands down um, and then threw in um, shipping for us for free and threw in um, on-site training for free. Wow. So, um, and, you know, we had uh, our first canning run with that machine. Um, we had a little bit of a bumpy path just because we were learning the kinks. Um, you were here actually yeah. that day. Um, and then ever since we've, we've learned all the nuance of it and we now are canning, you know, anywhere from a hundred to 150 cases at a, uh, at a sit, a single, uh, sitting and we're having less than a total loss of a case. Oh, nice. So like that's, that's a- we, our last, re- um, release this week, um, or this past week. Um, we we did two beers at a, um, a total of around 80 cases. Um, we wanted to have more on draft than in cans this time around. Um, so we did 80 cases, and we had, uh, I think, uh, 13 low fills. Wow. So, so it's pretty accurate. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a workhorse. It was uh, it was very inexpensive. Uh, it's a very no frills type of canner. It doesn't have very many options, but it doesn't need them because it's it's just works. It yeah. doesn't have a lot of you know f- uh, funky features and that kind of stuff. Can it do um, twelve ounce cans too, or it can is do, it just? It can do twelve ounce. It can do stubbies. It can do slim cans. So if we ever wanted to um, make can a hard cider <laughs> or a hard seltzer, I guess it is. Um, but you yeah, may as well just hop on the. Nah, I think train. we're. I think we're. We're gonna let that train go, <laughs> and uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you know people out there who feel very strongly on one side or the other, and yeah. I mean that's just not our thing, and, and that's fine. Um, and there are a lot of people who will like it, and so they can like it. And uh, you know, we just. I don't think that we're going to ever head that path. That I could eat my words, but. Um, I just don't think that's something that we want to focus on. Um, the do you, do you want to make put anything in like do twelve ounce six packs or anything? Or are you going to stick with sixteen no, ounce four packs? I think we're going to stick with sixteen four packs. It just makes sense from a, a consumer's perspective as well, in my opinion. Um, you know why pour a twelve ounce can into a sixteen ounce glass? Yeah. Um, because all the cool glassware is larger. Yeah, so. it's uh, all the cool all glass the- glassware is at least. 13 ounces yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think that you know from a com- consumer perspective when they think of a beer they think of a pint and or you know similar size glass so they would like to you know have something that's um all within that same glass um you know when you're pouring from a can anyway you're leaving a little bit of left left of the can just to not pick up anything that may have yeah. you know settled out um so it just kind of makes sense and they look better on instagram that's true too which is obviously the most important thing. Instagram's pretty uh, pretty important <laughs> for a lot of people. But um, I mean, to that end, though, you definitely focus on artwork uh, a lot. Yeah. Um, you you put a lot of consideration into the your can labels. Yeah, we do, uh, we definitely do that. Um, we put a lot of uh, consideration not only in the can, the the um, can art, but also the the names of the beers um you know they're all based on idioms and we try to come up with a creative way to um to match the beer that we're brewing to the idiom and then from there the um the label that gets put on the can um so you know we've been working with melissa carr um pretty exclusively um she's a a wonderful artist um she's done a lot of work for us Uh, i think she's um, somewhere around 18 labels for us now. Um, she's done some for True Respite, I think one for Old Mother. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a, a great experience. She's a, she's a talented artist who um, can take a single idea and, and make it into something visually appealing. Yeah, I would I would say Fox in the Hen House was a for just to grab one of your beers was a great uh, can label. You mean one of our beers, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, Fox and Hen House was great. Um, the idea behind that beer, um, you know, there were a lot of people who were involved in that. You, me, your wife, um, Melissa, um, you know, my wife, and coming up with how that beer was going to get presented. Um, <clears throat> and her artwork on that was based upon the little golden books. Um, and uh, it it was amazing, in my opinion. Um, she's done some awesome artwork across the board for us um and you know every time i come to her with an idea she 
at least has a couple different options for us. Um, and, you know, we always find something that is appropriate for the beer we're putting in the can. All right, we're going to take uh, one last quick sponsor break. Uh, we'll be right back. I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. Right, so going back a little bit more towards um, the actual like physical building expansion, uh, you had mentioned that there's an upstairs space now for event, uh, private events um, mm-hmm. and just events in general. What do you have planned event-wise uh, to utilize the new expansion space? Like, What types of events? And- so the way we have the property, um, or I should say our part of the property um, kind of spread out and cut up <clears throat> the upstairs will actually be a private event space that will be a, a, able to be catered as well as byob um because it's not part of our licensed tap room okay so you can bring any kind of yeah, alcohol so, you want up there right so it can be beer wine liquor whatever see um, if you would have recorded i would have brought whiskey to share with you <laughs> if we would have recorded up we, there up there yeah. yeah um so uh so that space will um be un- uh, it's not licensed through the county it's not licensed through the state it's just a um separate um facility upstairs that would allow us to do um you know private event catering with beer wine and liquor um, as well as um, if, if a customer wanted to um, bring their own and they can do that as well the way the, um, the, way the laws work. Um, this downstairs area where we are is, uh, like I said, 3,000 square feet. It's cut up um, 2,000 square feet of it is our uh, taproom expansion and 1,000 square feet of it is what is currently storage but will be changed into a beer garden storage and um, access to the upstairs private event space. Um, which is already in the works. Um, the taproom expansion um, is able to host up to 80 people, um, and um, there is a, a way for us to um, to basically break that section off from the original taproom. And um, because of that, we can host a separate private party if we wanted to um, upstairs in our um, private space as well as down here in the taproom with beer only, of course, um, because it's part of our tap room, but we could have a beer only event, um, in our expansion space for up to 80 people. And then we could also still have our original tap room open and operational at any given time or close down the whole thing and have, you know, both tap rooms dedicated to a party as well as the upstairs um, space dedicated to a party. Can people rent out just the original side? They can. Yeah. Okay. So you could close off that side for and then just operate regularly yep. on the expanded side exactly so now what well, we have uh, a uh, bar at our um what we are calling the og tap room and then we have a um a bar at our expansion tap room and uh you know we have 10 taps at on each uh on each bar and uh you know we're able to uh run the business from any of these uh areas Let's see if I just broke my phone. Is nope. It, is it broke. an Apple? Yeah. Oh, you're lucky. Why? They're, they are definitely more uh, shatter uh, 
uh, prone than uh, Samsung phones. Well, it's lucky that I, I put the case on because I can't remember. Shut up, Siri. Um, what was it? Oh, it was coming to Beth's, my wife Beth's surprise party. Like, I'm texting people as we're pulling up, and I just, I didn't put it fully into my hoodie pocket, and I stepped out, and it just went tumbling straight to the ground. And until that point, I didn't have a case on it, a screen project protector, because I just like the way phones feel. And I could just, I'm sitting there like, this is going to ruin the rest of my night. Because <laughs> uh, it, it was like a couple weeks old. But it didn't point. break. No, it it would it like gouged the metal a little oh, okay. bit. You just hit it in the right spot. Well, it hit right on the corner, which typically will shatter everything. Right. But thankfully, the new iPhone 11 doesn't uh, oh. is is nice and durable. Yeah, we I've got I have the uh, this case that's on it. Not so much because now there's a huge crack in it. <laughs> but at least it's not the phone itself. I have a S10, um, and my wife has an S10e, and they've been pretty uh, pretty stable workhorses for us. So. Um, but yeah, um, so we, we're able to run the business from, um, from either side of the tap rooms. Um, so we can close down either side. Um, we can close down upstairs and, and host events up there. And of course now we have a dedicated office space for us as well in that area. So it's, it's a, a win-win. So you had to do all of this under a year. Are you expanded far enough at this point where... They can hold you off for a while, or are you in danger of outgrowing what you just did again? Um, there is uh, already, I mean, I mentioned this before, but we already are expanding again, or at least our capacity for yeah. the brew house. Um, so there, we, we see the, the writing on the wall. We see what's on the horizon. It's, it, we are, you know, what would be year four or year five in our business plan right now. Um, so the growth has been crazy for us. Um, that's a that's a cool thing. Like it seems industry wise, um, a lot of people are a year to two further along on their business plans than than they anticipated, which I think is good in a couple aspects. One that means that a lot of the breweries opening now are probably they opened up wisely enough that they weren't overextending themselves like they they weren't aggressive in their expectations and being further ahead than expected means they're going to be around for the long term because there's everyone like it seems like people are almost wishing and hoping that there's a bubble that's going to burst and I mean, I definitely think there's some general slowdown in, in growth for a lot of... Um, yeah, slowdown in growth, but not slow down in the industry. Yeah, I don't think it's it's to a point to where people are slowing down so much that they're going to close. I think there's just a slowdown in the growth factor. Yeah, there's fewer breweries opening. And there's still ones opening, just not as many yeah. as quickly. Yeah, I mean, there was, a, what, a three-year period where it was just like gangbusters. Yeah. Um, and now it's slowed down a little bit, but at the same time... I think people will realize, one, that it takes more money to open a brewery than most people originally thought. Um, Two, that the breweries that are opening are taking a realistic look at the market and saying, all right, is this a good decision for us? Um, And then three, again, you can't make subpar product and expect to open a business, a brewery, a distillery, a winery, whatever, and expect to, you know, be in a position to grow your business 
So I think there's a lot of that where, you know, people are looking at it realistically with, you know, way more information than there was four or five years ago and making a, a, a determination based upon that. I think I'll, there's a lot of good resources from the Brewers Association that um, a lot of the new upcoming breweries are utilizing these days that weren't being utilized before. And they're getting realistic information from the breweries, Brewer Association saying, hey, you may want to, you know, adjust your numbers or you may want to consider a different location or, you know, things of that nature that are helping to guide these folks. Yeah, that's what, um, one thing I think that the Brewers Associate, I mean, they do a lot of great things. But the one thing I thought was amazing for people to utilize is that technical summit. Mm-hmm. That they, were you at that? Yeah, we were there. But they um, they cover every aspect of running a brewery. Right. Like all those things that people may not think about that they're going to be doing. They had representatives from those slices of... Right, like the social media aspect, yeah. um, how you structure your social media all of that's very important to a business like this. I mean, these days, I mean, you know, um, with Yelp review, reviewers, Google reviewers, uh, you know, uh, Facebook reviewers, um, Instagram. Secret hoppers. Yes, yeah, secret hoppers. Um, Instagram, um, Facebook, um, and Twitter, you know, feeds. There's so many different avenues to get information out. But it's also unless you are approaching it in a way where you're diversifying the information and presenting it in different uh, methods across the um, different platforms, it almost comes across as whitewash and you have to like play the field a little bit and, you know, step outside your, your normal box to, you know, take um, pictures of your staff and, you know, present information about your staff and, and, you know, even if it's, you know, what they like to do or, you know, what they, um, what their favorite uh, beer outside of your brewery is or whatever. It's important for people to personalize the brewery. And um, I think that's part of the, um, the thing that's happened in Frederick. Um, Old Mother's really good at that. Um, Attaboy's really good at that. We're also um, pretty good at that. And I think it, I think those, those things need to be um, done to help build your your um your platform to stand on basically um you know i I think there's just so many things that move um around with a brewery that you you have to keep juggling it all all the time yeah 100 percent agree but it gets even from the standpoint like they have you know people talking about insurance like all the non-glamorous aspects of running a if i told you how much we spend in insurance a month you you, most people would probably cringe yeah i'm I'm gonna guess it's not a fun (laughs) check to write for a brewery no neither is rent and neither is like you know um raw materials um you know hops are expensive uh grains expensive um fruit fruit, uh for uh sours is expensive um barrels are expensive you know everything that we do to put uh, a glass in front of a customer is quite expensive and you know if it if a beer um doesn't come across the way we had intended it it could be a very bad experience for the customer and it you know can affect uh, it could have a rippling effect for you know our ability to spend that kind of money on ingredients and um, produce the kinds of beer that we want to produce so that's why it's like for us it's it's an all or nothing type of thing it's a we put our heart and soul in every glass that we're pouring for everybody and it's really important for us to, you know, get that feedback from folks, po- positive or negative. When we hear it, we, we take it in, into account and we adjust as necessary to make sure that we're staying ahead of the game. 
So, um, going back to events and stuff, so can people start contacting you now yeah. to, to book out? Absolutely. The- We've already started, uh, um, you know, people have already had been asking us for a long, a long time, even with just the OG tap room about events. And we were doing some small events here and there, um, hosting some outside vendors for, um, you know, like uh, crafty type events and stuff like that on nights that we were closed. Um, but uh, yeah, we've we've already booked uh, a couple weddings. Uh, we've already booked uh, a couple rehearsal dinners. Uh, um, we closed down part of the brewery uh, for a baby shower a couple, uh, last weekend. Um, you know, we're already taking those uh, those inquiries. Um, That's really not fair to the mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely not. Uh, we're already taking those inquiries. Um, you know, it's it's pretty easy to uh, get a hold of us through Facebook or Instagram. Um, anyone who's interested in it can definitely email me. It's pretty easy. It's Mike at idiombrewing.com and our, our taproom manager, Lindsay, um, she could actually answer a lot of questions as well. And her email is also pretty easy. Lindsay at idiombrewing.com. So, um, we have another beer coming up. Yeah, we soon do. That, uh, do you want to give details on that? Cause actually this episode should be coming out right as it's being released or possibly a week beforehand. Yeah, so uh, you had reached out to um, to me about possibly um, doing a collab beer with, uh, with Saints Row um, in Rockville. And uh, Tony's Tony been, is awesome. Tony's been doing awesome beer. Um, we did, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we did a, uh, a roast house uh, spaghetti, uh, mom spaghetti type thing with... Uh, with Tony and his crew yeah. versus us, and Tony um, walked away uh, a winner that night. We talked about how he beat you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think he had a few more people show up, but that's um, why he said he rolls deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that's you know, that's kind of the mom's spaghetti thing. Oh. Neither here nor there. It, it yeah. was it's friendly competition. It's it's all about you know promoting each other. Um, but uh, Tony does really good beer. Um, you know, he's got a small shop. Um, he's constantly innovating. Which it's it's because he has a small shop, he can do that. He can you know constantly roll roll through new recipes and and uh, try new things. Um, you know he he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, you know he's spent a lot of time in the brewing community. community. Um, so it was a you know a good thing for for us, a good thing for him. Um, you know, and of course uh, having you to help promote is always a good thing. I like to help. I, I like to hope I help a little bit at least. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we talked about it for a while. Um, you know, we had, uh, some tentative dates for November, which kind of fell by the wayside. Um, everybody was busy with the holidays and everything. We had some, uh, some original discussions about, um, different types of beer and then we kind of settled on one and, um, a beer style. I routinely say I don't like, <laughs> yeah, a beer style, um, that, uh, that kind of goes with the weather. So uh, we are going to do a um, a chocolate mousse stout. Um, Some may say inspired by Three Musketeers bars. Uh, yeah, it, it is uh, definitely uh, inspired by Three Musketeer bars. Um, and uh, the I think we solidified on the name uh, One for All um, was what we yes. uh, I think we went for. Um, we originally had named it uh, Musketeer. Uh, or musketeers, but I think all uh, one for all made a little bit better sense. Uh, it also kind of, um, you know, makes the play of um, you know we can all work together for one beer, and that one beer for be for everybody. Yeah. 
Um, so, um, you know, we're uh, brewing that beer um, next Wednesday, um, doing a double batch of that. Uh, as I said, it's a, a chocolate mousse uh, stout, kind of going in between a, uh, a traditional dessert stout and a traditional uh, Russian imperial stout as far as a, a base. Um, and, uh, you know, going to try to make it uh, pretty creamy um, with a good bit of chocolate malt. Um, Are we going to throw some token Three Musketeers into the I kettle? I mean, we could definitely uh, do that and, and you know, <laughs> gimmick it up a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're going to try to get some of that smooth creaminess from a little bit of lactose, a good bit of vanilla, and uh, try to, uh, try to you know, mimic that flavor as best as possible. I think it'll be delicious. I do too. Even though for some reason I continuously say <laughs> I don't like stouts, but then continuously enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> it all depends on the stout. I, I but I I don't know. I'm just a moron. I'm just not a big I'm not a big like super like boozy stout guy. Oh, I hate and I think that's what it like when someone says stout to me, that's what I think. Well, I yeah. I think boozy like Russian Imperial style. Well, even some of the dessert stouts can be like super boozy. Um, yeah, so I think it's well, it's if they're made poorly. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's uh, just kind of how the market was a couple years ago. So yeah. people got burned out on it. Um, you know, we try to do pretty balanced stouts, um, both from a sweetness and uh, alcohol perception and bitterness perception perspective. So this should be a good representation of where we wanted to be because of just the general path we take with stouts anyway. Um, so yeah, expect that to be uh, um, brewed uh, next Wednesday, which would be um, about a month ago, January, <laughs> I think January fifteenth, um, and uh, you know uh, about three to four weeks after that should be uh, should be ready to uh, to go into cans, and uh, it will be a can release. Um, we're looking at possibly uh, doing some special glassware for this release as well. Um, so yeah. I um I was really bummed that they don't make giant Three Musketeer bars. <laughs> yeah, I look like, for them too because I was hoping it would be like like they have those like five pound Hershey bars yeah. and things like that that they would have a Three Musketeer bar like that, but they do not. I think sadly. the best we can go with is king size. Yeah. yeah, which is I mean it's not as cool of a picture as if we had one like you could hold over your head and drop into the kettle no but i remember the picture of uh of kenny um you know opening up fruit gushers for <laughs> yeah <laughs> for their uh their uh fruit beer they did with them and uh i'm pretty sure those were small packages like they what or just your average regular old <laughs> yeah. fruit gusher package so i mean we could go to fun size then if yeah you just add a <laughs> bunch of them fill up a couple five gallon buckets with them and yeah, toss them in fingers will be <laughs> all tired from um <laughs> but yeah it should be a fun collab um you know it's a good experience uh, um or good exposure for tony up here and frederick yeah, um, he's just now starting to distribute and move into frederick a little bit yep and then sending some kegs up to roast house it'll be uh good for us as well um to get some more presence in montgomery county and see um uh, let people see what we're all about um you know and uh go from there did you mention the other big thing you're doing yet? Um, no, we're, that's still it's, kind of uh, we're oh, working out a, the details okay. on that. Um, uh, we'll so that I, I know what you're referring to, um, but uh, yeah, that Glad I said it the way <laughs> I said it then. Um, that that's kind of still um, you know final being finalized. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean with with that um, advent, uh, you know things could get really um, really busy for us really quickly. 
busy's good though. Yeah, busy's yeah, good. It's better than bored. Yeah, um, like I said, uh, it's part of the reason we're uh, adding um, additional fermenters. We're actually probably going to um, hire a uh, another assistant brewer um, so we can do ship brewing um, uh, because we'll have uh, enough equipment to where you know we'll be able to run through batches and and move beer around and get things canned quick enough to where. Um, you know, will it'll substantiate the you know, flipping of the tanks and making sure that we are constantly brewing to keep them full. Are you um, are you close to or like is in danger of outgrowing your kettle or no? I think just with adding more shifts can, can overcome that. Yeah, we can definitely overcome it with fermenters and uh, and adding an additional um, brewer. Um, and and that's the the hope um, and plan for now. Um, I'm not going to tell you that we may not in two years be looking at other space because um, that's on the agenda as well. Um, we are potentially going to, uh, depending on if the business continues to grow at the pace it's growing um, and the other items in the, um, in the kind of you know, forefront um, that could come to fruition, if those do come uh, to be and come into play, um, there's you know potential we could attempt to take more space in this building if it becomes available um if not then uh we could be looking for a, a second facility uh do you have do you want to talk a little bit about an event you have coming up uh sure um well we have been talking with um rockwell brewery who uh kind of coordinated uh the hyper local brew fest um in the uh fall which was a smashing success. Which I will eat crow on. I did not think that that was going to be as popular I'll, as it was. I'll be honest as well because uh, I think there were a couple text messages back and forth between me and you saying that I'm not sure about this, and um, and you, you know, the day before you saw our name on the list, or a week before, and you were like, I, I thought you might not go, and um, we decided to go, um, and. One of the reasons we decided to go is because Matt and Paul put a lot of our heart and soul, their heart and soul, into playing this thing. Um, secondly, there was a um, we were hoping that some more of the Frederick breweries would also fall in line and, and come and participate. Although some of them did and some of them didn't, it was still a, a smashing success. Uh, that that was a bad weekend though. For what a, there was uh, midnight runs. Uh, that, yeah, anniversary that's was why there. there were a lot of people at that. Yeah, like uh, other brewery people yeah. were at. I their, think Old Mother was at their second yeah. year anniversary, which is part of the reason Old Mother didn't attend. Um, yeah. and that's Attaboy, the only, that's why I wasn't there because I went to the second anniversary. Attaboy party. wasn't there. Um, who was there was uh, Rockwell, of course, since they were hosting. Um. Monocacy was there, right? Monocacy was there. Flying um, Dog. Flying Dog. Us. Um, Smoketown. And Steinhardt. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it was a good event. There was, uh, I think, over a 1,000 tickets sold. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a, it was a $5 entrance fee. And the, basically the $5 entrance fee was access to the building um, and access to the music and all that kind of stuff. That was free. Um, the, um, from there it was based upon the customer's wants and desires. They purchased a pint, um, and a pint was uh, $7. Um, so that $7 was, went directly to the brewery. It didn't, you know, get filtered through a, 
um, a third party to be, you know, then you only got a portion of your keg sale for that day, um, you know, which is the, the format for most of these festivals um, or, you know, most of the events that other people throw that you participate in. Um, so, you know, from a, a brewer's perspective and from a brewery owner operator perspective, it was a win-win. Um, we were selling our own beer, uh, a full pour at full price and every bit of the proceeds minus our, our entrance fee, which was, a, uh, you know, a nominal fee. Um, we walked away with all that money for that day, plus our taproom sales for that day, um, which was also crazy for that day. Um, so it was just a, a w- all around win-win. Um, so we're taking that model and uh, Rockwell and us uh, are, um, you know, splitting responsibilities here, but we're looking at um, possibly um, hosting a uh, Frederick County versus MoCo or Montgomery County festival at the fairgrounds. Um, and uh, it would be the same kind of model. The breweries, um, you know, pay to participate. Um, a, a nominal fee, um, less than you would pay uh, to send a keg to a you know another um, a, a venue or event. Uh, do you have a date picked out yet? Uh, we have dates um, that are tentative. Uh, I don't okay. want to I don't yeah. want to announce it yet, just because we have there's some paperwork stuff that we have to get done. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know you could look for it uh, sometime uh, early spring. Awesome. Um, and it would, we're hoping to, to get, uh, somewhere in the ballpark of, of around 30 breweries to participate and around 25 to 30 vendors to pr- participate. And it would take a good chunk of the fairgrounds to set this up. Nice. Lot, lots of live music, um, you know, activities for kids, um, an all day type thing. And it would be the benefit of this is not only for the, uh, Frederick County breweries, but also the Montgomery County breweries. Everybody from you know that can participate from Frederick County and Montgomery County would all be in the same spot, and everybody could hit as many of those breweries as they want, or you know would like to, um, and you know get a full day's experience out of all the breweries without having to do a lot of traveling or yeah. Ubering and all that kind of stuff. So, um, at the hyperlocal. Were people doing? Was anyone doing tasters or? Oh, like we would give people. Or? We would give people, uh, uh, you know, samples of, of okay. beer so they can help choose what they want. But it gotcha. was a com- it was a completely full pour type of activity. Gotcha. One of the ideas for this activity, because of the sheer number of breweries that would be involved, would be you know basically half pours. So instead of being a sample size or a flight size. And uh, and not being a full pour because you know somebody trying to drink you know fifteen twenty full pours yeah. a day. You're gonna um, have some somebody's problems. gonna try, yeah. but uh, whether they succeed or not, um, you know, doing something like a six or an eight ounce pour um, for people, so that way, and doing it at a, a less a lesser cost, or even doing a twelve ounce pour at a lesser cost, um, so that way people can go around and try different beer. Yeah. Because um, there's already, you know, every time there's a festival or every time there's an, an event like this, people already have their checklist of breweries they want to see. Yeah. And they already have the checklist of ones they want to, you know, stop by. Um, I so. used to do that. And then I decided it was too much work. <laughs> and then I got even. Oh, there's still pe- a lot of people like that who do that. Oh, I know. So. I see it with their, their <laughs> They got their clipboard. The the, yeah. Out yeah. And, and um, so. Although, the, I'd say I'll, you, you'll be the target of my bone picking then. <laughs> So often that you go to those festivals and the beers that are advertised that the breweries are going to have don't they don't have those or 
Yeah, we've always so. been good about that. So, like, we always announce. I, mean, I 100% understand why that happens. Yeah. Like, beers don't finish in time yeah. or, like, when you're signing up for that <coughs> festival, it's pretty far in advance and it, things don't work out. Yeah. But it's, that's partially why I stopped <laughs> using them, too. Because, like, I'd read something like, oh, I really want to try that. And I'd show up and, like, wow, that we, we, something happened. We couldn't bring that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so hopefully, I mean, this will be a pretty, you know, um, pretty large event with a, a good representation of both counties. Um, I've already started reaching out to a few of the breweries in, in Montgomery County. I know some of the other people at Rockwell have as well um, to kind of drum up interest on this. Um, you know, we think it's a win-win for everybody just because the brewery, the breweries are basically hosting this. And the, because of that, the breweries are making the money for it. And, you know, it's a a way for the breweries to advance their name, advance their business, but also not do it in a way that they're basically giving away product to do it. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so people keep an eye out. And, uh, yeah, there'll definitely early, be some spring or mid spring. Sometime yeah, in the spring. Sometime in the spring. Um, sometime in 2020. <laughs> there'll definitely be some, uh, some social media uh, wrapped around it. Uh, you know, we'll, once tickets uh, go live, um, I'm sure we're going to use a, a Eventbrite for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, just keep your ear out and, uh, you know, um, pay attention to social media. And uh, I'm sure we'll also do some promotion around that, too. Uh, may even get uh, Chris involved uh, to help promote it. Are you going to be at uh, Love Thy Beer? I will not. Okay. Yeah. I will not. I have not That's done that event yet. I know. I, I know a lot of people have uh, uh, love that event. Um, you know, um, you go should to go. It. You should go and attend it then, at least as a, a consumer. Yeah. It, it is an awesome event. Yeah. I, I just uh, timing is everything. Yeah. Um, so like with us uh, last year, we were just open, um, and we were still trying to work out you know all of our uh, fermentation schedules and all that kind of stuff. Um, and right now we're so. Um, so geared towards canning right now it's it's all uh, most of our production has been um geared towards making sure that we can um release new beer every week yeah. um, we're getting into a position of um releasing a beer or two in cans every week we, we currently have 10 beers on tap and six of those are in cans so well, i highly recommend that you buy a ticket <laughs> and just attend it yeah. as an attendee because it is an awesome event I heard um, there's going to be some good beers there. Uh, Midnight Runs, uh, I, I hear, has one that they're... Uh, oh, that sucks, though. <laughs> it's, it's a far drive to drink Midnight Run beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard they have a, a good plan for their beer. Um, I'm, I, I've got, um, I've got uh, you know, some pretty good uh, idea that uh, Old Mother will also have a, a decently uh, well, appropriate beer there. I'm guessing they will make Tainted Love. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe they'll guess. do something else. Yeah. Maybe they'll do uh, something else with I, that. I will be shocked if they do something else. Yeah. They've won two years in a row with the same beer. Yeah. I would probably keep going back to that. I well. mean, that's it's you know if you're winning, watch yeah. the recipe. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like, uh, although they were also serving an amazing beer last year named Tandem Biker, that was absolutely delicious. So people may have actually been voting for Tandem Biker, <laughs> and that's why they won. But who knows? Yeah. Um, hey, you weren't involved with that beer, were you? Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, we, there's a lot um, in the future for us. Uh, there's a lot in, in the future for the industry, um, for Frederick. Um, you know, uh, there's been this this year has been a little rough. Uh, 
um, in the local community with losing two breweries. Um, so that's and the know, restaurants closing left and yeah, right. Yeah, um, like Blue Side. Um, you know, Guido's shutting down. Um, you know, it's it's been a little tough. Um, and I think a lot of people are are looking for that. You know, like you said that. It, this is the bu- uh, yeah. bubble bursting type thing, and I don't think that's. I don't think we're anywhere uh, near that. I don't think so either. Um, there's still more, more breweries coming. Um, there's still more operations coming um, into Frederick than there are leaving Frederick. So I get asked this um, all the time. What do you think are going to be the styles, uh, the trends style wise in 2020? <sighs> Um, well, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to say seltzer is probably going to be one of them. Um, and, 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 you know, to each their own, everyone who likes seltzer, that's, that's great. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, I, I de- definitely think, uh, that, uh, New England's are going to s- stay strong. Um, yeah. um, I think that, um, you know, Pilsners and, um, cr- clean lagers are going to start making a more of a club. So that's comeback. a, I, I'm going to agree with that team. That's where I think things are going. I think clean beer, clear beer, and then specifically lagers, Pilsners and those things, those are going to yeah. regain popularity. Yeah. We've, we've actually been doing a, a fair number of, uh, of cleaner styles. Um, you know, we, we have a, a Kolsch that kind of has a cult fo- following now. Um, which actually be uh, released next week. Um, we have uh, 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 we did our first hoppy lager, um, you know, um, a couple weeks ago um, with uh, Enigma and Citra hops. Um, we have a, a, a New Zealand Pilsner inside of a tank right now with Rakao hops, New Zealand Rakao. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a focus for us with our, because of our tank situation and having six, seven barrel fermenters in house and being able to dedicate a little bit more time for Pilsners and lagers, we're going to definitely do that. Um, and then I, you know, I think people are going to continue to gravitate towards, um, you know, fruited sours. Heavily fruited sours. they're delicious. They are, they are delicious. Especially um, if you rate them at the right ABV. <laughs> That's that's terrible stuff right there, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you know I think that uh, people are, are gravitating towards uh, kettle sours more and more. Um, I think that people are gravitating to, um, towards like mixed fermentation sours more, um, and I think that stouts are always you know they're classic. Everyone's yeah. going to want a stout at at some point. Um, I think West Coast IPAs are going to make a big comeback. Well, West Coast IPAs never really left. They kind well. They're going to be less overshadowed, I think. I think there's by New England. I think there's, I think people are being more pragmatic about um, how to brew West Coast and not making them bitter bombs. Yeah. Um, so they're making them more juicy in particular. So um, they're uh, they're you know making making uh, the West Coast in a, a little bit more of a New England fashion, uh, which is allowing it to be uh, fruity but also bitter. Um, and balanced so i think that's that's the type type of west coast you're gonna see so opposite to that though within a week or two from the release of this uh 
I'm really I'll have a beer coming out with hysteria that's just gonna be an absolute bitter bomb. West, at least that's the plan now. Maybe it could change. Oh, or, you did a collab with hysteria too? Well, we haven't. It'll be brewed in two weeks, okay. or not next week, the following week. We just did one with them as well. Yeah. Um, we did a, another home and away type thing. Um, we we just brewed last week with them a uh, a toasted marshmallow Schwartz beer. Um, so the whole idea of this home and away with them is uh, it's all black, right? So it's, uh, we got a black lager on their end, and on our end we're doing a black IPA, but we're hopping it like it's a New England. So we're doing a black IPA base with a super juicy um, flavor. And uh, so that roastiness of the black IPA is going to kind of meld with the juiciness of uh, New England. Nice. Yeah. I look forward to trying that. Yeah. Have you have you brewed your version of it yet? No, that'll be uh, brewed next week. Okay. Yeah. Well, the week after our collab with uh, Saints Row. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else coming up you want to cover? Uh, no, or? I think that's about it. I think we pretty much covered everything. Cool. Uh, well, if it isn't, if it isn't out today, look next week for one for all because it hasn't been made yet. But I'm sure it's going to be delicious. I have no doubt that that beer will be amazing. Tony and I have talked about it in depth, and uh, we both have some uh, some unique ideas on how to pull through that flavor. And um, it definitely has an amazing label. Yeah. That if I don't say if I don't say so myself. I mean, uh, it's another one that Mel knocked out of the park. An- another uh, Melissa Carr special, um, and uh, she she knocked it home. We gave her a simple idea, and she uh, executed. All right. Well, thank you for having me out, giving me time on. Uh, well, I guess it's uh, a Saturday, Saturday evening yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, so, thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. Thank you guys. Cheers. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.